0: Hello, you're listening to The Joys of Teaching Literature, my name is Scott Cameron, and we're talking about how to make your life easier and more fun, put a little pep in your step to make, uh, especially this year, I think, uh, to make it, um, well, this year and last year and the spring before that uh, is not normal, and I keep reading how frustrating it is for different teachers and people quitting over different things. So I'm here to keep you sane (laughs) and let you know that there's somebody else out there that is going through the same things that you're going through and trying to be as creative as possible, make life as fun as possible, keep a smile on our face and keep doing what we do and keep kids passionate about reading literature, talking high school, uh, teaching, teaching high school English so if you want to know more, more about me my website is www.theteachersworkshop.com uh, i have a teachers paid teacher store i run online professional development for high school english teachers uh, you can take the course it's a basically a series of different screencasts where i show my handouts my rubrics all the different projects activities different things i teach uh, student work that sort of thing so i show it on my screen and then you also get to download all the, whatever I show you on the screen. You can download uh, after after you read that after you watch the, the screencast. Um, if you are listening to the podcast, please do. If you enjoy it, please give me a review wherever you get your podcast. I'd really appreciate that. All right. So this week we are talking about kind of what I just said. You know, trying to trying to make things meaningful for our kids, trying to make them relevant. Um, I think fiction. <laughs> I mean, it's fiction. I, I start the year with a conversation about fiction because it is fiction. It's you got. It's the first question is why are we reading this? It's imagination. You know, why do we watch movies and go to a concert? I mean, sports are kind of of, of a fiction in a way, right? We imagined a sport and people show up, and hundreds of thousands and millions of people watch television with a imaginary sport. You know, where people are playing this thing with a ball moving all around a court, and or up and down a field, whatever it might be. Um, So we have to we have to figure out ways um, to show the point of it all. And of course, if you're immersed in that world of sports or theater, movies, you don't need to be convinced because you just you do it for the enjoyment and the pleasure of it. Um, But I think, obviously, on a more academic level, if we're thinking about, you know. Sort of moving beyond just I read this book for fun, um, because I, you know, it's, it's it's sort of interesting, sort of philosophical question I think that we are asking ourselves right now because we want to, I think across the country, introduce m- more diverse texts, more texts that that students can uh, get pleasure out of reading that's more on their level, and I think there's, and this is this has been a conversation I think since the 70s, 80s, maybe even longer, um, on college campuses too where. We really have to kind of ask ourselves, what is, what is the canon, um, you know, and, and what are we going to still keep teaching, and what are these texts that just won't go away for whatever reason? And we just keep, keep feeling the need to um, teach it over and over again. It just doesn't lose any of its power, regardless of how the world changes and what we go through as a, as a society, as a world. So those texts, are, they're, they're going to be there. And, and some of them are old. We were actually just um, – I don't teach Oedipus anymore, but we were talking about randomly um, – I was kind of mm. <laughs> giving the uh, – I forget what we were talking about, like dramatic irony. Um, now, I was talking about the different narrative modes, how, all the different possible narrators and how they can hide information from you and um, how when you read a, a book, it, if you have a limited omniscient narrator – you're getting a few points of view, but not the the ones that are necessary for you to know the information. This is how suspense happens. It's how you know if you're doing, uh, watching a Who Done It or a murder mystery, whatever you you want. There's some information that you don't know, and that's sort of the the fun of reading and and living, right? And when we live, we kind of look out into the world and try to figure out. We try to look at someone and and try to figure out what they're actually feeling, not what their body language is saying and not what their words are saying Uh, because you know words once you say a word out loud you have to you're dealing with etiquette and trying to be polite so you're not you don't you don't actually say what you're you're really feeling Uh, you could be a lot angrier or full of love or you know this emotion could be way more intense uh, than than the words that you speak out loud. I'm trying to find the right words to speak out loud is always a challenge, especially when you're on the spot. So we're always in these situations where we are trying to decipher reality. And when I say reality I mean the internal world of, of the people that we are, we are looking at. Um, so I was talking about Oedipus and how that you know the the information that is so essential, you know, is that his mother <laughs> that he slept with his mother. Right away, that's the first piece of information you get, and, but but Antigone too. I mean, so that's kind of the sort of interesting journey to figure out how that happened for him. <laughs> it's a bizarre situation. It's like dark comedy, isn't it? <laughs> right? But uh, in Antigone, it's, she is so passionate, and it has this uh, combination of politics and uh, personal that will always be a part of how we view people you know we want to see them as human beings but 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 there are these political questions always um so yeah so i i think and home you know home fire interestingly enough is a sort of adaptation uh or sort of retelling of of antigone i just read that's a great it's a great book um anyway (laughs) back to the topic the topic is how to make fiction relevant that's our that's our title of today's podcast Um, And so I just finished, so, you know, my question is, okay, so you're studying fiction, but how do we convince our students that the fiction that they read has relevance in the world today? We can just hope, we can, we'd of course make it a part of the conversation. That's a big part of it, okay? When I tell stories about my life, that's a way of making it relevant. When they tell stories about their life, something that happened to them, that's a way of making it relevant. When we talk about things that are in the news, and of course we all they, they think we know everything about everything, uh, so they ask us questions about politics and what's going on in the world, especially when something big happens and uh, they look to us for answers. I remember the the was a series of different times like January sixth or even when the pandemic it was a week before the that january uh, that March thirteenth you know back 2020 um, they were just like asking me a million questions like. I, this is what I actually this is but you know it's funny here's my response I said I think everybody we just got to stay at home for two weeks everybody's got to get tested we're gonna know who has it who doesn't the people who who have it stay home Everybody else goes back to normal <laughs> that's what I said and you know what looking back on it I do wonder if that was still like we didn't have the tests right so and that we couldn't but but if, if we put a test in everybody's mailbox back in March of 2020, and everybody who had it could just stay home, right? I, I don't know. I, maybe maybe it would, it would be more complicated than that, but anyway, they're always looking to us for answers, and they're always looking for us to, to, to take the, the conversation that we are having about the book and apply it to our, especially, so I'm, we just finished Things Fall Apart, and there's a million things in there because there, there's a, a language and, and terminology that is an African terminology in some cases. Um, you think that there's no way of relating that to our religion um, or our world, and it, it, it's absolutely the case. There's a conversation between what the Christians call Supreme God and what the Africans call Chukwu, and they just kind of bounce back and forth. And it's it's the same. It's two different sides of the same coin. It's it's. There's no difference. It's just, it's how, it's, the, it's terminology. That's all, that's the only difference. It's like, you're calling it this and I'm calling it that. And well, your messengers are this and that. And why would you worship a piece of wood? And he's like, well, wood is, is God. God is everything and everywhere. So what do you mean, why would I worship a piece of wood? You know, uh, it's a great conversation. Um, you really dig through our differences. There's a lot more similarities there. It's just language. It's just language. That's it. Um, it's amazing, right? All these, these different ways that we frame things and and the deep divisions that, that plague our society. Um, it's just, it's really just language. It's just a way of how we label things and our belief systems just get they spiral out of control because we, we tend to believe that our belief system is correct. And if we believe our belief system is correct, then we automatically think that everybody else's is incorrect. Um, and is wrong and bad. And, and we also should be f- scared of it for that reason. Um, and so, yeah, so we're, so we're wrapping up Things Fall Apart. And I saw Chinua, Chinua Achebe when he came to Philadelphia. He did, I think he did a tour of the whole country. I, he was on TV a couple of times. Um, I saw him on PBS. I think that interview is still online, actually, if you want to look at it, because he said some interesting things about the book, if you, if you teach it. Um, so it was the 50th anniversary of the novel. And um, somebody, a student in the crowd after he gave his, his, his talk and about the book, um, and, and somebody said, "What lessons do you want us to get?"
1: Yeah, you know, that's a
0: typical like give me the thesis statement, you know <laughs> a question from a student in the crowd. And he said, "I don't want you to get any lessons from this book. I this is a quote, "I don't want you to get any lessons from this book. I want you to get that it is a story of people just like you. Their name sounds different. They dress different, they have different customs, but they are still people, unquote. Um, And I, you know, obviously, even just not even just people, but people who have a complex culture. um, You know, he said himself, like, here's another quote, quote, Africans have bad customs like everybody, unquote, right? So there are certain things in there in the book that might be shocking uh, but there's plenty of things if you look at uh, Western civilization that are really really shocking um and disturbing and and you you when you if you were say going to you know if you were an African coming to Europe say uh, while the first world war was going on, you might say, "Hey guys, <laughs> do you want to know about my religion because I don't know what you guys are doing, but <laughs> I don't think it's working um right so that the collision of, of cultures in the in the, in this novel is an interesting one um, in a way what he's saying like let's not be afraid of each other you know like i would be afraid like if i if i was living in africa and i came to like i was my analogy here might be a bad one whatever but if i came to well, you know to saw witness the bodies in piles and the machine guns just making bodies in piles and people were hiding behind those bodies to to shoot other people that were coming through in hordes uh through through belgium you know whatever uh like I, <laughs> right it would be shocking I, I would be i would be very afraid um i don't know if i would want to stay there right and so like if i was a traveler um and, and so i think that's what he's saying is like once you know the context once you know the, the full story when you see something that's that's disturbing or, or upsetting to you um, or something that's confusing there's just no reason to be afraid it's it's you know you just have to learn about where it comes from like if you learn about world war one there look at the, well <laughs> there's not really a reason for that war it's funny i listened to a uh, blueprint farmageddon it's this really long um podcast about the first world war and yeah there was there was no reason for it but um you know you you could you could you could jump in there, right? You could you could figure some stuff out, and and ju- justif- not justify it, but you can explain it away with, again, with terminology, with language. Like that's what we you we use language to figure out why something happened, right? You could you could do it. Um. So yeah, I think his ultimate objective was, you know, he wants his reader to see the complexities and flaws of his own culture, but ours also. Right. You're, we always read to learn about your own culture, and it doesn't matter if you're reading Hamlet in the 16, you know, early 1600s um, or Antigone a couple thousand years ago. There are things that you can read about this, this story that happened you know, whenever and wherever, uh, that there is something that, that, that is in our human blood uh, that is similar in our consciousness. You know, they, they intersect with different things. And so, uh, I think that's so. That's the question that we have. That's the question. It's like how how can we make literature relevant? So, this year I decided um, I've done a, di- a couple of different things over the years, but this year I tried to keep it not simple. Um, and actually, I think this is one of the hardest writing assignments I've I've ever I've ever given because um, I was trying to think myself like what's the like I always try to think in terms of what, what would I say if this was the question that I had to answer. Um, and so, for a final writing activity on on Things Fall Apart, instead of just saying, I did give an option. I said, you know, if you want to just do a traditional analytical essay, that's fine. But I think sometimes forcing them into something different is, is can be valuable. Uh, but either way, what 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 I did was okay. I teach topic by topic, um, so I basically said, take a topic from Things Fall Apart. Uh, interpret that like walk me through that a little bit you know have a handful of quotes that you interpret related to that topic uh, but also connect it to a topic um, from another essay so i'm i'm not making this like a huge research thing although i had a couple of my students come up and say hey can i i found another topic can i or another essay can i do that one too i'm gonna do a couple like, well, you're getting you getting into the realm of, of research now. Not and it's not like I don't intend it to, to be research because we're not dealing with scholarly articles. These are these are kind of light essays that are not non academic. They're I mean not non academic, but right, there's no research involved in them. They could cite research or statistics or something like that, but for the most part it's just an essay on a topic. It's theoretical, it's philosophical. Um so so in some ways, they're demonstrating their understanding of the story, but also they're they're being forced to think about its relevance, right? And and by relevance, I mean its relation to the world that we now live in, and that's important. Uh, we didn't read or discuss the essays in class, so um, it's up to them to discover the connection on their own. Um, so thinking about, that, I mean, there's just like a lot of controversial stuff happening with critical race theory right now, right? <laughs> so I'm. Got a lot of things brewing in my mind about how to tackle that um in a later episode. But really, when you think about it, i'm, I'm at, we are I'm tackling it right now, right? So we, so what we can do is is just say, okay, here's this book. It's inter, it's about race, right? That's at its co- absolute core. He wrote it because he read um, Heart of Darkness, and he. Actually, this is another interesting story he told when I saw him. He said he said there were eight words spoken by an African um, <laughs> in Heart of Darkness. It's set in Africa. <laughs> and uh, he's just thought like, what the, I'm, I thought I was reading a book about Africa. And I, they said um, to the colonizers, get him, bring him to us. And they said, what are you going to do with him? And he said, and the Africans responded, "Eat. we're going to eat him. <laughs> so they said they're, they' the only eight words from an African were talking about eating another human being um, right so like that's that's problematic right and so that so that's he he created things fall apart because he he's like, he just he said he didn't even have to write the book he said it, he, it wrote him like it just kind of flowed out of him um, and so you know, if anybody is ever accuses of like, I don't know, I don't even know what they're accused of doing. We're we're not supposed to talk about race, I guess, <laughs> right? Like the history of it, how it relates to the world we live in. It's it's everywhere. It's everything. Why not talk about it? Who's who's so politically correct, <laughs> right? Like they're literally being the the po- politically correct police. And when I say they, I mean people who are passing legislation to fire teachers over talking about race. Uh, on their terms um so i just can't i can't believe that um but but you know here's one way of approaching it if you're in that if you're like ah, i don't want to get fired you're talking to me like about race here and talking about race you know what are you trying to do get me fired it's like well you can have an essay on a topic related to a book (laughs) and just ask them to write about it. So we don't, talk, we, there's nothing that I say about any of the essays that we read in class. And and again, they're only really even indirectly about race. Not that I would shy away from that either. And some of them, um, they, they are. Uh, won't wrote one of the essays himself. So they are about race. And so, you know, in a, in a way that's, ex- this is exactly what we're saying. That all the essays uh, besides, actually besides the Achebe one, are, are really, really relevant. They were published in like, last couple of weeks or so like, like, last, you know, I think maybe a couple of last couple of years, but I try to find things that are really, um, that were just published, um, with, with that idea in mind, like, Hey, this is an essay that we, that was just published. So how can, can we relate this topic to the book? And I don't even teach the essay. I just make sure it's a good essay and that it's re- it, that it relates to the book and one topic from the book. Um, and so they, for the first half of their essay can write about things fall apart and then for the second half of their essay it's completely independent thinking there is no there's no bias or whatever people think we're brainwashing kids it's unbelievable Um, and so they just students will just write on that essay that we give them which is this is school right Um, and so that's what we do in school we write about ideas and topics uh, and things that are that are out in the world, in, well, in it, that are a part of our history, but also in the world that we live in today, because uh, we want them to learn about the world they live in, <laughs> because they are students. So, so that's what I did, and and I I think it's always important uh, to get them to, in that space in between, you know, the world uh, of the novel and the and the world that they live in. I mean, we can't we have to ask them to do that like let's not just hope that they're doing that right we want to, them to actually do it and we want to hear what it sounds we want to hear their thoughts um about about what they think about those connections between the world we live in and the world um and it, again it doesn't have to be research it doesn't have to be this this huge thing where they we just have to find a couple of good articles for them uh and and have them connect it. like for instance so yeah in my topic, we covered uh, the following topics, uh, family, gender, custom, repression, religion, colonialism, ancestors, and proverbs, all right? So those are the, I'm just counting them up here, like six no, seven, seven, topics that I covered, all right? And then the essays that I found are, are related to the topics of gender, colonialism, now, you know, status, because that's an important thing and things fall apart. Fame, similar to status. Wealth, similar to fame and status. But that's, these are the rights, all problems, that's what I'm kind of saying about terminology, it's just terminology. Um, And then religion, language. So I have an essay on religion, essay on language, uh, and an essay on family. And uh, just because these are the essays I encountered, I found them in The Atlantic, uh, The New York Times, the Yale Review, NPR, National Geographic, and uh, yeah, like I mentioned, Achebe wrote one of them himself. So uh, you can get them wherever. Um, you know, if your school subscribes to a journal uh, or Googling around, you can find things, if, if it's recent, that should be easily accessible on the internet. Uh, and if you just Google your topic um, and just dig deep, it didn't it didn't take me a long time to find different articles and just read them really quickly. Um, you know how you can just browse it, and then and then you're like, okay, I'm going to read this one. Uh, you know, you browse a couple of different ones, even just reading the first paragraph, you can get a feel for if, if it's going to be good uh, for you to read. So you don't have to spend your time. Like I did find, I don't know, I think it was 10 or 15 essays. Um, so it was a little bit of time just reading the essays, but it's I think an important part of our job to keep to keep reading and. Um, finding ways to make the literature relevant for our kids. What better way to do that than to just read? Um, so it's good for, yeah, it's good for, it's good for the teacher and also good for the student to, to engage in this process. And because I gave them like 10 or 15 articles, um, they could do the same thing that I did. They can read the first. I tell them, you know, this is what we do when we read. You know, you find a, a first paragraph, browse through it a little, see if it's something you want to, to really sink your teeth into and read and take notes on. Uh, and write an essay on, and then, and then you can make your choice. Um, it's two st- I think this is this is also why I did it right because we all <laughs> probably read thousands of essays at this point. Um, you know what happens, right? We have class conversations. We give out handouts, um, and and then when they go to sit down and write their essay, they basically look for f- phrases and expressions um, that show their independent interpretation of the book. But yeah. You know, It's a challenge because they pretty much are most likely going to take what they hear in the conversation, take the whatever they wrote as a part of the handout, right? Whatever handout we gave them, and that might be them working with another person to complete that handout. Some of it obviously is independent work. You know, in my class, they read the book independently on their own, so they have notes when they read the book independently, Um, but. Ultimately, it's it's gonna sound it sounds like what you talked about in class. So, so to avoid that, we we want them to we want them to think for themselves, right? That's the point. So we must challenge them by leaving just a little bit of room for them to fill in the gaps between the world of the novel and the the world they live in. Um, and the essay is that gap. Like again, we haven't talked about the essay in class, so they don't have any conversation to like recycle and put into an essay right so if I were to say okay we're all gonna read this essay because I've tried this before right right, let's see how this essay connects to the to the topic that we're covering in this book let's all talk about it let's all read it get into groups all that they're just gonna use whatever was said in class on that essay and put it put it into their own essay right so where, where are they we can't we're not forcing them to think for themselves in that case but if we don't talk about the article um, they have to think about it on their own and they have to make the connection on their own um, so, that's what so that's what we're doing we're giving them the opportunity to walk away from a novel with a new view of their world and dare I say it <laughs> a desire to improve the world they live in and that's You know, that's the thing that makes me upset about the critical race theory thing, is that we are here as teachers, as educators, human beings to improve our world. So anything we can do to improve it is always really important. Um, How Achebe put it, um, this is another thing he said when I saw him, uh, he would want our students to explore what he called, quote, a special truth that you may call the truth of fiction, unquote. Alright, thanks for listening. Again, please leave a review if you enjoyed it. See you later.